Good morning. Thank you for letting me bring the message to you today. Um, it has been a crazy couple months since I was up here last getting to share God's word with you. Um, and whew, it has been a couple months of conviction because I feel like every time I'm asked to be up here and my dad gives me a sermon topic, it's really God saying, okay, Sherry, you need to figure this out in your life. And to force you to figure this out in your life, I'm going to make you preach it. Right? Like, that's what he's been doing. Um, and it's been crazy, and it's been real. And today we were talking about going from stressed to blessed in our family lives, going from stressed at work to blessed at work. And it has been a crazy, stressful couple months for the Verbergs. And I know that I can't be the only one that lays in bed at night saying, oh, does it ever get easier? Or BJ will say, adulting is hard. Or we'll go, if we add one more thing to our calendar, I think we are going to snap. So to give you a little bit of a preview of what's been going on with the Verbergs, our, our son Bruce is 21 months old, or almost 21 months old. And since he's been born, between BJ and I together, we've held five different full-time jobs. We've sold a house that we loved and bought a house that needs a lot of love. Um, I quit my job at Target so I could be in full-time ministry here, which was a huge blessing, but it caused a huge financial cut, so we've been figuring out how to live on a budget. After Christmas alone, we've had the Corona Fire Department to our house for two separate injuries. Um, BJ had a separate ambulance ride to a different hospital for something that happened to him at work. Bruce has had three ear infections. I've had been on three different type of antibiotics and just been super, super sick. And the doctors finally figured out what's causing me to just be drained of energy and to throw up all the time. He called it a baby. Um, so I was really glad about that. So you guys can stop wondering. Um, <laughs> so while all these things, I mean, that was a huge blessing, but a blessing that does still cause a little bit of stress. And to add on top of that, our trash cans got stolen. Who does that? Right? Like the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's got our address on the side of the trash can. On trash day, our trash can gets stolen. Who does that? Right? Life can be stressful, and we can't be alone in this. And I know that for sure, because our neighbors, six houses down from us, are named the Mendenhalls. And I know the Mendenhalls are really going through a stressful time in their life, too. So I know it's just not the people that I'm related to. Life is stressful, and stuff is happening, right? I'm not alone here, right? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, it is not funny, or it's so true, that we are called the Aspirin Age. Americans consume 16 tons of aspirin a year alone, just Americans, because we are stressed. We, we no longer have the, I hiked uphill to school both ways in the snow stories like I heard when I was a kid from my parents. We have the, I drove 45 minutes on the freeway while updating my Facebook status, answering emails, doing my makeup, and eating breakfast, and trying to make sure my kids' homework is in their backpack stories. We are crazy stressed. We live in the quickest moving society yet, yet we have not figured out how to deal with it. Things keep getting faster. Business is no longer even closed. We've got drive-throughs everywhere, but we have not figured out how to manage our stress. But this, our Bible, the book of God's word, 
gives us everything we need to move from a stressed life to a blessed life. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. But what causes our stress? I looked up the four most common stressors that we deal with, and we're going to go over them right now. So number one, worry. I don't think we need to elaborate on this, especially if you've got kids. We worry a lot about everything. Number two, hurry. We live in a 24-hour society. Everything is expected immediately. Number three, indecision or multiple choice. We have so many options. Who's ever thought about where to go to lunch after church or what to eat after church? We have too many options, and it's not just options of what we can do. We are bombarded with others' opinions at all times now because of the media. We know what everybody thinks we should be doing and what the cool things are and what the not cool things are and what the political scandals are. Just check Facebook. We have more decisions and we have more opinions coming at us than ever before in history. And number four of our top stressors is fear of the future. The what ifs. What if we can't control this? What's going to happen? So open your Bibles to Psalm 23 or it will also be up on the screen. And we're just going to dive in and find God's antidote to these top four stressors in our lives. Please read along with me. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. First, number one, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing, is our first antidote to worry. Our antidote to worry is to look to God to meet all of our needs that we have. It's easier said than done, right? Others are going to let us down automatically, but often we look to our husbands, our wives, our kids, our jobs. We look to our things to fulfill our needs and our wants and our desires. But when we put our hope in things that can disappoint us, we will be disappointed. If we can manage this one thing to put our faith in God to meet all of our needs by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, then we will never be disappointed. We might not get some of the things we want, but we will lack nothing and have everything we need. You can put your security in your job, but you can lose your job really easily. You can put your security in your marriage or relationships, but things happen to people. You can put your security in your kids and their choices, but we've all been there, right? That's not a great idea. Things happen. You can put your security in money, and there are tons of ways to lose money. You can lose your looks, your reputation, your job, your money, your family, but you cannot lose your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we put our hope in him and our security in him, the Lord is your shepherd, you will lack nothing because you will never be disappointed. In verse 2, we find our second antidote to our hurry stress. In verse 2, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. To reduce the stress of hurry in our lives, we need to obey God's instructions about rest. 
And I know that seems totally contradictory, right? But to reduce the stress of hurry, we need to obey God's instructions about rest. Look at the second word in verse 2. It says he makes. Just underline makes. He makes me lay down in green pastures. Obviously, the author of this psalms, David, had to be made to lie down just like us. Have you ever worked so hard for a deadline or pushed through maybe so much for a vacation that by the time you get that one day off because you've been going so hard at it that you are completely sick the entire time you're on vacation? If you do not rest, if we do not take our Sabbath as God commands, he makes us lie down whether we want to or not. And for my family on Christmas break, he made each of us lie down with some ambulance rides and some hospital visits. Think about this. If God wanted us to not rest, he could have created it that way. We sleep for over a third of our lives. And God, being all-powerful, all-knowing, could have created us not to sleep if he thought sleep was wasteful. But God didn't. God knew the importance of rest was so valuable for us. He didn't just say we needed to rest and make us rest. He said, hey, I want you guys to rest to the point I am going to rest. Because when God created the earth, he worked the first six days and he rested the seventh. Do you think God was tired to the point where he needed to rest? I don't think God gets tired. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He did not need to rest, but he knew that we needed to rest to the point that he modeled it for us. He modeled it for us, and then he commanded us to do it in the top ten commandments. Jesus said the Sabbath was not made for man, but man, or I'm sorry, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God created this day for us so we would not burn out. So write this down, my best requires rest. I'm rhyming like my dad, right? So my best requires rest. There is value in resting, but I think sometimes because we don't know how to rest to rejuvenate us in the way that the Sabbath offers, we tend to not value it, therefore we tend to not do it. So when I'm talking about rest, I'm not talking about a 14-hour Netflix binge. I am not talking about playing video games for the rest of the day. I'm not talking about ignoring your family or just scrolling Facebook for the hour you have for lunch that's free. That is not rejuvenating, restoring rest. That is not what God means when he says, spend your Sabbath, take it off, have a day of rest. So we're going to look at three ways that we can give our rest value that actually restores us and rejuvenates us. So number one, rest your body. Physically rest. This is a biblical basis for taking a Sunday afternoon nap, people. And I say Sunday afternoon, not Sunday morning while we're talking, but Sunday afternoon nap. Number two, refocus your spirit. And what does that mean? That's here. That's what we're doing. We're coming together as the body of Christ. We're worshiping him. We're focused on him. You're settling up what happened in this last week and giving it to God, and you're preparing, and you're getting on your armor of God to go into the next week. Here, you are refocusing your spirit. And number three, recharge your soul through recreation. Use this Sabbath to recharge your emotions, and that's what recreation does. Have you ever heard anybody say, I feel so close to God in nature? 
Whenever I hear something like that or, oh, the mountains are so beautiful, I want to say, yeah, God made it. Like, we're supposed to love nature, and we're supposed to feel close to God in nature. God made us to live in a garden. When God made Adam and Eve in creation, he made us to live and rule over a garden, not a skyscraper. He didn't put us in a concrete garden, but he put us in this lush, beautiful garden for us to rest in green pastures like this verse says. So let's try something. I want you to all close your eyes. No cheating. Everybody close their eyes. Take a a big, deep breath in and go, and then a big, deep breath out. And I want you to picture yourself on a beautiful place that only has God's creation in it. So lush, green, rolling hills, no bugs. There's no bugs that exist in this place. You can imagine a nice breeze. You can hear the trickling of the water running past you. If you need to put a sand trap or some golf holes in there, you can if that's your pretty place. And just relax in this place. Now, while keeping your eyes closed, I want you to picture something different. You are on the 91 freeway. It is 5.45 p.m., and you are going eastbound. It's a Friday evening on a four-day holiday weekend. You guys can open up your eyes. That's not pleasing, right? Like, that's a horrible thing to envision. One is super relaxing, and one, I'm sure you can just feel the tension starting to boil inside of you. That does not refresh us. We refresh in God's nature and God's beauty where he created us to live and rule over. Other things that don't refresh us, which they're not wrong, they're not evil, but Netflix binging, video games, Facebook binging, because it's when we do that, we're not starting our day or using those moments in our day to fill ourselves with God's word or what God created or with who God created. So when we spend more time on those things than we do with what God created, in where God created, and with who God created, we do not come out of those situations feeling rested and restored and relaxed. So recharge your soul with what God created, who God created, where God created it. So go on a walk. Go on a bike ride. Go on a drive if you really don't want to be outdoors. Just go on a drive where you finally cannot see a building. Spend time with your family. Get away and get out where you can just feel God and not everyone else bombarding in on you. The third way to reduce stress in our lives is to simply trust God. So to reduce the stress of indecision and too many choices, you need to trust God's guidance. Psalms 23 says, He guides you along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, you will fear no evil, for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. And we need to actively trust that God's word is true and active and alive, and that it will actually have power that is turned into action in our lives. That God will guide you at the right time, not at the wrong time. That his timing is perfect. He's never early, but he's also never late. If you have a decision you need to make in the next year or the next two years, God's not going to tell you what it is right now. I mean, that would be great if he did. But if he did, we wouldn't trust him for guidance all along the way. 
The Bible says there's enough trouble in each day, so take one day at a time. God is going to give you the right decision at the right time with the right guidance when we trust him, when we fully trust him. No amount of hurry or worry or stress or options or calendaring that we can do to control our situation is going to reduce God's perfect plan and his timing. So we need to trust God's guidance and last but not least, trust God to be the conqueror of our fear and trust God to be our defender. The Bible says fear not 365 times in it. 365 times. That cannot be a coincidence that it's one time for every day in our year. Here's what David says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though you walk through shadows, when shadows are scary, do you remember shadows as a kid? I remember having to go get something out of a dark room and you run in as fast as you can to the light switch and turn them on as fast as possible. And then you don't look around, you grab your thing and then you turn them off as fast as possible and run upstairs. Or when you're laying in bed at night, you have to have your closet doors closed. Because the shadows that come out of those closet doors, they are scary. Really scary. But you learn two things about shadows when you're young. Number one, you learn that a shadow can't hurt you. A truck, if it hits you, it can hurt you. But if a truck's shadow hits you, it cannot hurt you. And number two, we learn that shadows are often much, much bigger than the actual source. And the same is with our fear. Our fear is actually usually much, much bigger than the actual thing that is going to happen. Are you guys ready for a Pastor Larry story? I know you've been waiting this whole time for me to spill some dirt about my family. So this is how we camp. We dirt camp for two weeks in Lake Trinity. Um, that nice big blue tent, we call our big blue. It is the tent that my dad grew up camping in. Very, very thin canvas walls with little teeny tiny holes everywhere. Thin net windows. And we would sleep shoulder to shoulder in this tent. Um, and that is the Kastners camping with us which I didn't ask them permission to put their picture up there. But <laughs> so that is how we camp every summer. And as we would drive into the campground, we would always meet with the camp hosts. And they would come and tell us all the rules of the campground, and they would tell us what was going on and where our campsite is. And then they would always warn my parents very quietly about the critters. And when I was little, I would think, oh, critters like possums and squirrels and raccoons. Okay. But then one year I realized that critters mean hungry mama bears, like large, hungry mama bears that want to come into your campsite and devour your food. So we took all of the precautions. We took out our trash. We made sure that there was no lotions or food or anything in our tent. We made sure that we were inside by dark, and we did not play outside once the sun went down. And then one night it happened. We were all sleeping shoulder to shoulder in nice big blue, and we heard this loud snort. Unlike anything we've ever heard, and I know what daddy snore sounds like, <laughs> happens often, but it was not a daddy snore. It was a loud snort and breathing. And as we all began to open our eyes, you just see the shadow of the bear scan across the big blue tent. And as we laid there looking through the little holes of our tent and our little thin net windows, we watched the bear devour our ice chest. We watched the bear open up our big pail of food and take out every single little package of grandma's cookies and open it 
oh so carefully without ripping it in the wrong way and taking out the cookie and eating it. Needless to say, we did not sleep that much. We prayed a lot, we shook a lot, but we did not sleep that much. But here's the good news. Wherever there's a big, scary shadow, like the bear on the side of our big blue tent, there is light. Wherever there is a shadow in whatever situation that you are in that you are having to walk through, there is the light. And what we need to do is we need to turn our back on the shadow and focus on the light because the light is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And he is the answer to the problem. So we need to stop focusing on the big, scary shadow and turn to Jesus, who is the light of the world. Because Christ's light can cancel out any fear we have. And not just cancel the fear, but cancel the problem. We need to let Christ be our defender. Two things happened that next night before we went to sleep and experienced the bear again. Two things happened. Number one, as a family, we prepared for war. We went to the marina and we learned a lot about bears. We bought an air horn. We made sure that we knew that the bears did not like noise. So we got a big air horn that slept right next to dad and he just had it with his trigger finger just ready to blow at a moment's notice. The second thing we learned about bears was that they completely depend on their super sniffer, their nose, for finding food. And there are certain smells, like Ajax and ammonia, that completely turn them off. And so we found some nice cleaning supplies, and military man Scott, he made little tiny bear bombs, which was just filling bowls with cleaning supplies, but he would strategically place them in a way if a bear barely tapped our ice chest or barely tapped our table, the bowl, the bowl would spill over, covering anything that could possibly have a scent of food on it and make the bear run away because he hated the smell so much. So we were protected, or we so thought. The second thing that happened we've always kind of made fun of, and we thought, we've always treated it as like, oh, that's a funny story. Leanne's so cute. As we got into bed that night, it was my sister's turn to say prayers. And she couldn't have been more than like six or seven. Um, and this was her prayer that night. Dear God, thank you for not teaching the bears how to unzip zippers so we have a safe place to sleep. That was her prayer, and we've always teased her for it. Like, to this day, I had to call her yesterday and apologize that I've always teased her for this story. Because I'm like, Leanne, a bear could just barely go like this and totally slice through that big blue tent. But the amazing thing was, is this is how we should be living daily, as God, treating God as our number one defender, even though we had no defense system. We were using some Ajax and an air horn to defend us against a huge bear. But God was our defender, and she trusted that more than anybody else because she knew that a bear was not taught by the Lord how to unzip a zipper. Stepping back, allowing God to be our defender with no fear because we believe in his power is how we need to live. And we can either live in one of two ways with all of the what ifs. What if this happens? What if the bear does come close to our tent? What if he likes the smell of Ajax? Or we can live like my sister did and say, God, your rod and your staff comfort me. Surely your goodness and love will follow me for all of the days of my life. Psalms 23 that we've been reading through is by far not the only scripture in the Bible that addresses 
being stressed or how to live a more blessed life. And with today being Palm Sunday, I also felt like we really needed to look to Christ. As today we know, he starts his journey. He starts his walk into what he's going to do for us and what he did for us over 2,000 years ago. And so I wanted to read from Matthew 26. Follow along with me on the screens. Jesus went into a garden called Gethsemane and told his disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into agonizing sorrow. Then he said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. And going a little bit ahead of the other three, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there is any way, get me out of this. But please, not what I want, you. What do you want? When he came back, he found his disciples asleep. And he had a little conversation with Peter, like, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Can you not stay awake for me? And then he left them again a second time. And again he prayed, my father, if there is no other way than this, drinking this cup to the dreads, I'm ready. Do it your way. When he came back again, he found them asleep. They simply could not keep their eyes open. This time he let them sleep on and went back a third time, going over the same ground one last time. When he came back to them the last time, he said, are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My time is up. The Son of Man is about to be handed over to the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer is here. Jesus faced his greatest stressor head on, walking to the cross, knowing what was going to happen. And he could only complete this because of what he did in these verses. Because he went away. He went away in solitude and looked to God. He went away in God's nature and found him. He trusted God's guidance and he then allowed God to be his defender because he came to the point of saying, okay, God, your way. And allowed God to defend him all of the way through his trial, through his conviction, through his death, and through his resurrection. But I mean, how stressed could Jesus be, right? Like he was Jesus, so he had to have like extra power or something. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Not my will, but yours be done. An angel of heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. But being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was 100% man, 100% human, facing the most stressful thing that I think could ever happen to any of us knowing he's walking to his death to save all of us for forever. And he modeled the most important, most crucial step that is probably the hardest one for any of us to do when we are stressed out and busy and have a calendar full of events. He took himself to a place of seclusion with the Lord and cried out to him. How much time do we do that? How often do we do that when we are stressed out and our to-do list is four pages long? Do we step back and do the one thing that will solve all of it and be in seclusion with the Lord and cry out to him? Because that is where we receive his strength. That is when he becomes our defender. That is when we see him acting for us on behalf of us. This whole series, we've been talking about one change, and you're going to be filling out your one change cards today. But I want to just point out that this is not a change that we're going to just add to your to-do list. 
Change and transformation is not just adding something else to your weekly list. When you accept Christ into your heart and the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, you are transformed from the inside out and you become somebody different. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being transformed to live a Psalms 23 lifestyle, being transformed into a servant for Christ, not just adding something. So we're going to end the service a little bit different today. Um, So if the bands could come up here um, and get all prepped to go. We want to reflect on this Psalms a little bit more. And we want to reflect on what this One Change series has meant to you. And just take a little bit of a mental breath and just sit and calm and relaxing and hear the 23rd Psalms in a way that we haven't yet heard it this morning, but through music. God promises us, surely goodness will follow me all of the days of our lives. We can live in the house of the Lord forever, but we must seek him, rest in him, trust in him, recharge our souls in him in the way that he's created us to do so, to move from a stressed life to a more blessed life. my shepherd won't be wanting won't be wanting he makes me rest in fields of green with quiet streams death and die I will not fear you with me always with me shepherd's of God forever
Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, as we close this service, we just pray you'd help us to make all the changes that you've been speaking to our hearts about these last nine or ten weeks. But Lord, especially today, to live the Psalm 23 kind of life, looking to you, focusing on you. Lord, we want you to lead and guide our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. Would you just thank them for sharing with us this morning?